it's good to see you this morning. Um, for those of you who were here a few weeks ago, you will know that this is take two of this talk. Um, because I got up a few weeks ago to speak and had this awful dizzy spell um, that ended in me having to sit down and us having another batch of worship for the morning, which was absolutely lovely. Thank you to Chris and Sarah for stepping in at the last minute. Um, and also, just wanted to say thank you to those of you who asked me, am I okay after my dizzy spell too? Turned out I had a spell and had several spells of vertigo. Um, you may or may not be interested in this. I'll just tell you because I thought it was fascinating. The GP told me, we have these crystals in our ears, and if they go off, if they fall out in the wrong place, you can get really, really dizzy. Who knew? I said this to Jamie, he said to me, what kind of doctor <laughs> do, do you go and see? But Chris, isn't that right? We have crystals in our ears. So if you want to learn more about that, chat to Chris at the end. He, he will tell you about that. Um, but I'm feeling much better now. Um, so this now is my first time speaking at church since um, we had our second baby, Noah, back at the end of April. Um, so I've been on maternity leave since then. So this is sort of my first talk back. Um, and our, my maternity leave has been a really sort of precious time. For those of you that have been sort of lucky enough to have a snuggle with Noah... Um, you will know that he is an absolute peach of a baby. So it's been a really, really lovely um, time. And um, we gave Noah the name Noah um, for lots of reasons, but one of them because it means rest. And despite sort of heading into a season of a lot of sleep deprivation, and today is no different, friends. I had five wake-ups last night, so you can all give me a hug afterwards. Um, but despite sort of entering this season of long days, sleepless nights, Jamie and I both felt, as Noah sort of came to be born, um, that he was calling us into a time of rest and learning to live from a place of rest and instead of living from a place of striving and needing to be a sort of particular way. And for me, I've noticed over the past sort of few months of maternity leave, this is absolutely a work in progress. Um, and every single day, I realise and I come face to face with the tendency in me to need to achieve something. Now, I don't actually really think of myself as that much of a driven person, like an achievey type person. Um, but when you are sort of faced with a baby who doesn't really do anything but wants your attention all of the time, it is, it is so hard to get to the end of the day and feel like, I've, not really, I've left like a hundred things undone today. There's so many things I wanted to get done and I've done like one of them today. And it just triggers this feeling of like, have I done anything useful? Have I achieved anything useful today? Um, so it's been a battle for me every day to try and just be present with Noah and, and leave the washing for another time. And some days sort of go better than others. Um, but all this to say, one of the things that's sort of been interesting about this time is when you have really limited stripped back capacity like that, um, and there are only so many things you can achieve in a day. It has this way of sort of distilling for you what is most important. What are the things that really matter um, in your day? So I, I genuinely ask myself questions several times a week of like, what is my priority day to today? What, what actually matters? I wrote a list the other day about three things. And then I wrote at the bottom, everything else can wait to like try and come back to that for the rest of the day. But it's had this way of sort of distilling in me what, what is it that's really important. And over the summer months, as I was thinking about church for this sort of autumn term and that sort of academic year ahead, I found myself asking the same question. Like, what is it that really matters? What, what for me, like, what is the most important thing? What do I want us to go after as a church community? Um, what am I sort of here for? Um, and I managed to sort of distill it to this when I thought about it. I want it to be true that when we come together on a Sunday like this, not just on a Sunday, but it's kind of our primary time when we all come together. I want it to be true that when we come together, people come, they meet with God, they encounter his presence, and they go away changed as a result. Um, 
It's as simple as that. That is why I'm here. I, I want more than anything, I want to see people encountering the presence of Jesus and being changed by him. Um, and there's loads of stuff that I love about this church. And we've touched on a bunch of it already this morning. You know, I love friendships I see forming here. I love the community I see forming, particularly when it's like we end up being friends with people that we wouldn't naturally click with anywhere else. I love seeing stuff like that. Um, I love seeing a sort of growing heart for Liverpool, for the city, to be serving beyond our sort of walls here. I love that. I love the creativity I see bubbling up. I love the diversity that I see growing in our community. But what I'm here for, more than anything, if you cut me open, what I'm here for is that people week in, week out, would be, be meeting Jesus, encountering his presence, and being transformed by him. Um, and I believe that we meet with Jesus in all sorts of ways. And we've, again, we've sort of done a bunch of them this morning. We meet with Jesus when we sing songs of worship to him. We will often say um, on a Sunday here, we talk about Psalm 100 that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This idea that worship acts a bit like a gateway into the presence of God. And it's normal that when we sing songs of worship, we should sense Jesus' presence. I just had that then. I was in tears again because something about coming into Jesus' presence in worship that you sort of suddenly, oh, I'm in touch with how I'm doing and also sense the sort of presence of God as we sing. Um, that's normal. We, we do sometimes occasionally meet through Jesus through a talk like this. You know, when we study the scriptures together um, and when we sort of study the written word, Jesus, the living word, is made present to us as well. And you might have had that feeling before when someone's speaking and it's as if you're the person in the room that they're talking to and Jesus sort of grabs your heart with something. So we can meet with Jesus in that way. And um, we meet with Jesus through community. Jesus himself said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And that's absolutely my experience in this community that I often meet Jesus through the service and love and acceptance grace of others in this community and we meet Jesus when we take communion together I was it was so good to do that again together this morning we haven't quite found our groove since in a sort of post-covid world with that but we really believe that as Cal said that's not just an empty ritual this is a moment of encountering Jesus as we take the bread and wine together or the juice which I liked Cal pointed out this morning um so these are all ways in which we experience Jesus's presence with us but as a vineyard church, there is a particular way of experiencing the presence of God that is an important part of our sort of church history and our church heritage that I wanted to talk about this morning. And that's what we would often refer to as a ministry time. You might have heard us use that phrase if you've been here before, a ministry time. And when we're talking about a ministry time, we're talking about that part in our service when someone at the front will pray the simple prayer, come Holy Spirit, and then we will wait and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do and watch the Holy Spirit meeting with individuals across the room. And then often what sort of that goes on to is we'll end up sort of gathering around one another, praying for each other with the laying on of hands, as the Apostle Paul sort of instructed us to do, and just blessing what the Holy Spirit is doing. So that's what a ministry time is. Um, and I wanted to sort of acknowledge, we've not done a lot of this over the summer, summer months. So those of you who were here with us over the summer, we had a slightly different style of church where we were sat in here, round tables, a lot, having a lot of discussion. And at the end of that, we would have prayer, but the prayer would more look like having a chat about a topic we discussed and then perhaps praying for some specific things for each other off the back of that and asking God with these prayers of petition to do things for us. Um, and that's good. And long may that sort of stuff continue in our church. And I'd love to grow in this sort of prayer of petition. Um, but that's a different type of prayer to what we're talking about when we talk about a ministry time. Because a ministry time is less about us offering our prayers to God and is much more about us opening ourselves up, stilling ourselves to receive from God. 
Um, and if you don't hear anything else this morning from what I say, I, the thing that I feel like God is just sort of pressing in on my heart with at the moment is he wants us to learn how to receive from him. He wants us to learn how to receive from him in the year ahead. And that's what I'd love to see grow. I'd love to see a sense of expectation grow, that when we invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us, we're expectant that he actually will and that he's going to come and do things in and through us. And I'd love a sense of sort of persistence and hunger to grow in us, that we would push beyond like the awkwardness of waiting in stillness, sometimes the self-consciousness we might feel about how we look to other people. I'd love us to be so hungry to meet with God that we're willing to sort of push through that and receive what he has for us. So this morning, I kind of was tempted to just sort of scrap the talk there and just create space to do it. Um, so we will do that in a bit. Um, but I did want to just speak about two things briefly before um, we do that. Um, so let me just tell you sort of what I'm going to do, where we're going. So you've got a bit of a map. The first thing I want to do is I briefly want to answer the question, what do we mean when we pray a prayer like, come Holy Spirit? What are we actually asking for when we pray that prayer? And the reason I want to do that is that I'm aware that... Um, Lots of us in the room will come from different church backgrounds. We're not necessarily all from a vineyard church background. Um, so you may not have grown up praying prayers like that, come Holy Spirit. Others in the room are from no church background at all. So you definitely won't have grown up praying prayers like that. So I want us to answer that question. What do we mean when we pray that prayer? And then I also, the second thing I want to do is sort of briefly share from my own experience um, some of my experiences of praying that prayer and what's happened as a result in the hope that that might raise our faith and our hunger a bit for God to do that in our lives too. Um, and I often say this in my talks, if you're the sort of person who loves to just sort of dig into a bit of um, theology, the scriptures, then the first half is probably for you. Um, if you're the sort of person that that stuff leaves you cold, but you're like, give me your story, Kath, then hold on to the end. <laughs> Sarah's like, <laughs> hold on to the end because there's stuff here for you too, hopefully. But I would encourage you, lean into both bits because it's probably good for you if you like one or the other to listen to, the both, to both bits. Anyway, so let's dive in. What do we mean when we pray the prayer, come Holy Spirit? Um, well, there's kind of two ways of answering this. First thing we need to answer is, why the emphasis on the Holy Spirit? So Jesus taught us to pray. When his disciples asked him how to pray, he literally said, you should pray, our Father. So that's how Jesus taught us to pray, our Father. And others of us, we may have grown up praying to Lord Jesus himself. You'll hear us doing that plenty of times from the front here as well. So why, in this moment, do we pray, come Holy Spirit? What's the emphasis on the Holy Spirit about? Um, well, I think there's lots of ways we can answer that, but a helpful way to, to look at it is to look at what Jesus himself said about the Holy Spirit. So in John's Gospel, there are a few chapters in John's Gospel. It tracks from about chapter 14 to about chapter 17, and they're known as the farewell discourses. In other words, they're sort of Jesus's parting words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. So they are the equivalent of one of us being on our deathbeds with our nearest and dearest around us and wanting to communicate to them the most important things that we sort of want to pass on to them. So that's why you need to really listen in. It's so worth just chewing over these chapters of these words um, in John's gospel. And as part of that, he gives over a huge chunk of time to talking about the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a follower of Jesus. And at one point, he says this to them. It's kind of almost the crux of it. He says this, Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I'm just going to read that again. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away... The Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Um, now, that is a huge thing to say. 
Imagine being one of Jesus' disciples. You have Jesus, God himself, in human flesh, standing in front of you. You're face to face with him. You can touch him. You can hug him. You can cry with him. You can laugh with him. You share, you share meals with him. And he's saying to you, it's actually better for you that I go away. I'd be like, Jesus, you've got it wrong. <laughs> that can't be true. It can't be better that you're going. What on earth could be better than that? Um, but Jesus says there is something better, and it's the sending of the Spirit. Now, why would Jesus say that? Again, I think there's different ways of answering this. But I think one of the main reasons Jesus says that is because the Spirit is the one who allows all of us to access the presence of Jesus at any time and in any place and be filled with the presence of Jesus at any time and in any place. So Jesus of Nazareth, when he walked this earth, he was fully God but also fully human. It meant he could only be in one place at one time. But after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to the Father, the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, just like Jesus promised upon all of the disciples at the same time. So this is crudely put. Um, but you can think of it a bit like this way too. We believe that Jesus is here with us this morning, don't we? I mean, we might not all, but I think the bulk of us in this room believe that Jesus is here with us this morning. If we don't, we might as well go home, my friends, or just set up a club of some, some description. Um, but we believe as Jesus is here. But how many of you have actually seen Jesus of Nazareth walking around the room this morning? Has anyone seen a Middle Eastern man in his 30s just wandering around the room this morning? No. None of us have, but we believe Jesus is here. In what sense? We believe he's here by the Spirit that he promised to send to be with all of his believers at all times and all places. One of the early church fathers, one of the greats, um, who was sort of responsible for first articulating some of this well, was a guy called Athanasius. And he put it like this, it is by the Spirit that we are all said to be partakers of God. In other words, it's only by the Holy Spirit that we actually get to experience the presence of God, the risen Jesus at work in our lives. So to come back to that question, why the emphasis on the Holy Spirit? Why not come Jesus, come Father? The reason we pray come Holy Spirit is because we're calling on the one who allows us to experience the presence of God with us. So when we pray come Holy Spirit, what we are doing is saying, God, I want to experience your presence. I want to experience your nearness, your closeness to me today. So that's kind of one way of answering the question. The other part of the question, the sort of second part, is why do we ask the Holy Spirit to come if we believe that the Holy Spirit is always with us all the time, everywhere we go? Why would you ask him to come if he's already here? And that is a very good question. And I honestly think people don't ask that question <laughs> enough, given the amount of time he's been praying this prayer. Um, but I think a helpful way to understand this is to look at one of the ways the Apostle Paul in the New Testament understood the Holy Spirit. So just stay with me for two minutes as we track with this. In Paul, Paul writes this second letter to a church in Corinth, one of the earliest um, Christian communities, and he wrote to them about the tension in the life of a follower of Jesus as they wait for the day when Jesus will come again and make everything new. Cal talked about that earlier. This day that is coming, when Jesus will come again, he will make everything new. He will put everything to rights as it was always intended to be in the beginning. And in the words of Revelation, there will be no more death or crying, or pain. That is the day that we long for and that we look forward to when Jesus returns again. And Paul writes to the Corinthians, this church in Corinth, that in this context of waiting, as we wait for that day, as we long for that future age to come, they have been given the Holy Spirit as this. He, calls, he says they've been given the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. 
That's what the Holy Spirit's been given to them as, as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So let me just unpack that. What he means by this is that the Holy Spirit at work in the life of a follower of Jesus guarantees that this beautiful future is coming. But not only that, the Spirit also allows us a foretaste of that beautiful future in the here and now too. That is the role of the Spirit in the life of a follower of Jesus. Um, So think of it like this. Where's Hebes? Hebe, here. Hebe has recently got engaged to Sam. Can we have a whoop? Whoop. And when he proposed to her, he gave her a beautiful engagement ring, which I've just seen for the first time this morning because she's had another, another one on for a while. So you can all go and ooh and ah at it afterwards. Um, but in giving Hebe that ring, two things happened. Number one, Sam was giving Hebe his commitment that he is going to marry her. That future is certain and it is on its way, Hebe. Um, but number two, what also happened in that moment of proposing and giving her that ring, Hebe and Sam entered into like a new phase of their relationship, engagement, where they no longer operate anymore as sort of two free individuals. But as they go about making their um, sort of life decisions together, they begin in part to operate as one. And that is sort of a foretaste of marriage when, in the words of Genesis, and then the Spice Girls, two become one. Um, So, sort of simply put, we might say that the engagement ring sort of both secures Hebe's future marriage to Sam, but it also allows her in the present a bit of a foretaste of that future commitment in the here and now. She gets to experience a bit of what it's like to be married in the here and now. Um, Now, it's not a perfect analogy, but the word for deposit that the Apostle Paul uses here is actually the same word used of an engagement ring. And it's this same sort of thing that he's getting at here. And that is why, to come back to our question, that is why we pray, come Holy Spirit. Because whilst we recognize that the Spirit is, we already have the Spirit, we still await the day when everything will be made new. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, give us a foretaste now, in the here and now. Give us a foretaste of that coming kingdom of Jesus when all will be as it should be. So at an individual level, when I pray, come Holy Spirit, I'm asking for the Spirit to come and make new in me now, in the here and now, all that is broken and in need of mending, whether that happens to be a broken part of my body or a broken part of my spirit or a broken part of my heart. And at a collective level, when we pray as a church, come Holy Spirit, we're asking for the Spirit to come and have his way here and now as it will be in the new heavens and the new earth. And that sounds an awful lot like something Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven now actually in some of the earliest manuscripts of of that prayer that's written down the lord's prayer your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven some there are some translations that in its place have the pray holy spirit come essentially instead because you're praying the same sort of thing your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so that's what we're doing when we pray the prayer come holy spirit we're asking first of all to experience the presence the nearness the closeness of god and we're also asking to be transformed and made new now as we will be in the age to come have you tracked with me the following yes lots of lovely nodding churchill dog heads um so let me talk about myself for a bit because I've got the microphone and I can. Um, in, in, in my own life, I didn't grow up in a church where these sorts of prayers were sort of particularly the norm. 
um, at least sort of early on. I went to sort of Christian festivals and things sometimes in the summer where those prayers were prayed and something like having a ministry time like I've described was more normal, but not certainly not in my church experience. But then later in my sort of 20s when I left home, I was part of two churches in London um, where we had ministry times just like what I've described. And I found that when I opened myself to the Holy Spirit in those times, my experience was often twofold, exactly just like what I've described. Number one, I experienced a feeling of closeness with God that I hadn't experienced before. I experienced a sense of being deeply loved by God that I hadn't experienced before. I believed God loved me. I knew that in my head. I believed what the Bible said. But something broke through in those times of waiting on the Holy Spirit where I experienced in my heart the fact that God deeply loved me. I felt loved by him. Um, But the second thing that often happened was I found something being made new in me in those times. When I would come and open myself to the Holy Spirit, I would experience something being made new in me, whether that was a past hurt being healed. And I had a lot of that, my friends, and I could bore, you, bore your socks off with stories about that. But sometimes it would be about past hurts being healed, being made new. Sometimes it'd be about freedom from a particular lie or maybe a pattern of behavior that I'd got stuck in. Sometimes it was about being empowered to be the woman that he'd always made me to be. Sometimes it was about being given gifts um, to equip me to live out what he's called me to. But whatever it's looked like, there's always been a sense of God making something new in me. And I was thinking of some examples to share with you. And I've got the sort of greatest hits. um, But the problem with the greatest hits is that for those of you who've been around for a while, you've probably heard lots of them lots and lots of times. So I thought, no, I'll give you just a recent example from my life about how this plays out. So it's not the most dramatic, um, but it is a recent one. Um, So many of you will know that at the start of this new year, Jamie and I had a stinker of a time. Um, And you'll know because we went on and on about it to anybody that would listen. Um, But we had a particular sort of bad run of things, lots of things going on. And in particular, we just had um, a really awful run of ill health. So just again and again, it was just back to back. It was like COVID, coughs and colds, flus, um, D and V bugs, and then trips to hospital with the kids. And then eventually, um, I was heavily pregnant at the time, and I ended up in hospital with pneumonia and what turned out to be cracked ribs. Um, And alongside this, we had a bunch of stuff going on in our personal life as well with some close friends and family that was really painful. And all in all, for me, I just felt like I'd done like 10 rounds in a boxing ring, if that's a thing. Um, I felt like I'd done like 10 rounds in a boxing ring. I just felt like I'd been beaten up. That was how I felt on the inside. And the Sunday after I'd sort of been discharged from hospital, I came to church. I, I probably shouldn't have been there when I look back at it. I was, I was very ill. <laughs> um, but I came to church sort of wheezing. Um, and I was stood at the front. And when it came to the ministry time, I was just like, I was just ready to pop. Um, and I just couldn't hold it together anymore. And just straight away, I think it was like, come Holy Spirit. <sighs> I just burst into tears straight away. Um, and a friend came alongside me laid a hand on me, just quietly prayed for the Holy Spirit to come and fill me. And as they prayed, truthfully what happened was I just got in touch with a lot of the pain that I'd been feeling and just started to let it out before God. That was kind of the first thing that happened. And then my friend sort of asked me, you know, what's, you don't have to say anything, but what's going on? And I managed to sort of stutter out to them, I just feel like I've been beaten up. That's how I feel. I just feel like I've been beaten up on the inside. Um, And so they prayed this beautiful prayer then. Again, it was really simple, but just that the Holy Spirit would come and pour out the love of God in my heart like a healing balm, that it would be like a healing balm that came on my heart where it was sore. Now, truthfully, in that moment, um, it was a beautiful prayer, and I felt like I started to engage with it. And then I saw Amelie, like, 
hovering there. <laughs> so I was that's my daughter, by the way. So I was a little bit distracted, and I was, that moment was sort of cut short. But in that moment, I experienced the love of God, albeit it was sort of a bit unfinished. So fast forward to it a couple of months later. Noah had just been born, and when he was six weeks old, um, I was, like, desperate still to sort of finish this business with God. Um, And so I decided to go on this retreat for a couple of days with some other women who lead churches across the country. And I arrived very sleep-deprived, but with this sort of unfinished business with God. And so after the very first session, we had a ministry time, and again, it was like, Holy Spirit, come. And um, this friend of mine um, came over to me, and she said to me, "Um, can I take Noah for you so you can just receive? And again, it's just that word about receiving that I felt God's wanting to sort of impress on my heart. So I handed Noah over, and then this group of women sort of gathered around me, like these fierce sort of clucky hens. Um, And they invited the Holy Spirit to come, and they waited for a while as I cried. And then one of the ladies said to me, I don't know if this is right, but the sense I have is that it's like you've been spiritually beaten up. She was like, it's like you've been 10 rounds in a boxing ring, which is what I'd named before God. That's how I was feeling. And she said, and I could be wrong, but the weird thing was, she was like, I had this picture and it was almost like you'd been punched in the chest, like someone had been punching you in the lungs. And at that point, this experience of having had sort of pneumonia but not, and crack ribs and not just that, but everything that sort of gone along with that season, everything that came out just came out in this huge rush of tears and ugly crying, basically. Um, but in its place, the Holy Spirit was ready again with that healing balm. He was ready with his healing balm. And this time I wasn't in a rush. Emily wasn't hovering there. Um, and I just soaked in the presence of God. I received his love until I came to a place of peace. And I can honestly say... I left that room that morning feeling about three stone lighter than I came in that morning. Now, as I say, that's not the most dramatic example in my life. That's just probably one of the most recent in a very long line of moments where I've opened myself up and invited the Holy Spirit to come and meet with me. And sometimes when I come, I know what I need straight away. Sometimes it's like that. Someone says the words, come Holy Spirit, and I'm just, I'm gone straight away. Other times, I don't really know. I'm not coming with anything in particular except... I'm coming with a desire to go on being changed by the presence of God in my life. I want that to be part of my story. So I want to turn the spotlight off me for a moment and and turn it to you and ask you this morning, where in your life do you need to be made new today? What is it in you that needs making new in you? And are you, are you, when did you last meet with God? When did you last have an experience of the presence or closeness of God? Maybe you've never had that in your life. And are you hungry for it today? That's what I want to ask you. The Apostle Paul wrote to the early church that they should be filled, and the inference was they should be filled and go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Last sort of story from me, really. Um, in my early 20s, I was at a church in London um, with, that was called St. Mary's. The vicar there was a guy called John Peters. And he used to lead ministry times in the sort of most beautiful way. Um, and he used to encourage us that in those moments of opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, we should be greedy. That's what he said. He was like, you should be greedy in these moments. And he'd say that even if the person from the front said, you know, I just sort of sense there's people in this room, they've got a bad back, and we're just going to invite people to come forward who've got a bad back to be prayed for, he'd be like, Even if you haven't got a bad back, if you are hungry for more of the presence of God in your life, if you are hungry for God to be making something new in you, come to the front anyway. No one cares. He was like, be greedy for prayer. 
And do you know what? That ended up totally being the culture of this church. At the end of this, every service, we'd pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit, and he'd invite anyone who wanted to come forward to respond. And there'd just be this flood of people immediately up from their seats, charging to the front for prayer. I was always among them. And, you know, maybe people felt self-conscious, but it, it actually honestly didn't seem like that to me. It was just we were all so hungry, and we felt permission to just be greedy. So we would go forward week in, week out to be filled with the Holy Spirit and made new. And that was a time in my life that I felt like I took leaps and bounds forwards in my um, walk with Jesus. And my prayer for us at Herald is, do it here, Lord. That is when you sort of cut me open, when I was thinking about what's most important to me this year, my prayer is, do it here, Lord. I want that for these people in this place. I don't want that to be an experience from my past. I don't want that to be like the golden days that I used to talk about. I want to see my friends and my family here at Herald opening themselves up to you week in, week out, experiencing the balm of your love being made new, not just once, but week in, week out. And, and for those of you that have got like a sort of activist bent in your life and you think this all sounds quite like introspective and navel-gazy, like when are we going to get out there and do the stuff? Um, I, I totally hear that. Um, but I want to say to you, in my experience, in my life, um, having these experiences of the presence of God and being changed by him go hand in hand with a renewed passion to share Jesus with people around me. And I can track in my life the moments when I have really pushed into this, to, to pushed into the presence of God in my life are the moments when I've also been the most effective at sharing Jesus with people that need him as well. Um, and that's not just my story. When you read Acts 2, the first pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples, they, they, they wait for the Holy Spirit to come. The Spirit is poured out upon them. The very next thing that happens is that they share the gospel and thousands, thousands are saved and come to Jesus that day. So you can hold me to this, but this year we want to go after this stuff week in, week out with a renewed commitment to create space to invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us. And we're going to start in a moment. Um, and, but as we come into land, I just want to highlight a few practical things that I think God might have been nudging me about when it comes to how we do this together on a Sunday. The first thing, and I include myself in this, as I said at the beginning, I think we need to go on a journey together of learning how to receive, learning how to receive in these moments. I think actually, in many ways, the most challenging part of a ministry time is opening ourselves up to receive, partly because we are sort of conditioned in this world that nothing comes free. Um, and that can translate to our relationship with God. We can think it's about us saying the right words or praying the right prayers or standing the right way or being in the right space. It, it, essentially, it all comes down to our effort. Um, Emily, our daughter, more than perhaps anything in this world, loves an ice cream. She, she goes nuts for an ice cream. Um, and it is our joy as her parents to gift her with an ice cream. But we have noticed that there is a difference between the times that she sees someone else with an ice cream and then works herself up into a frenzy, like begging us continually, can I have an ice cream, can I have an ice cream, can I have an ice cream? There's a difference between those times and the times like there was a moment on holiday when she was playing happily in the park and I just snuck off to this ice cream place around the corner, came back and without her knowing just said, Emily, would you like an ice cream presented with it? Yes, mummy. Um, you know, I didn't get her an ice cream because she was begging me or because she used the right words or she'd been on her best behavior. She actually hadn't been on her best behavior. Um, I just got her an ice cream because I love her and I wanted to do something that would bless her. And her whole being lit up when I gave it to her. Again, the analogy breaks down at different moments, but Jesus said this, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. So we don't have to twist God's arm or work ourselves up into a frenzy. It is his great pleasure to fill us with the Holy Spirit. So practically speaking, when it comes to a ministry time and we pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit, I want us to try a new thing. I want to invite you not to pray in that moment. When we pray the prayer from the front, come Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to do exactly nothing in that moment, just to be still and to open yourself up to receive and leave the rest to God. Um, second practical thing, partly because we're a sort of smaller church and it can feel a bit more exposed to respond in these ministry times. At the, in the past, what we've tried to do is sort of keep the ministry time in people's chairs and gather around people in their chairs. We sort of shied away from people needing to make a physical move in responding to the Holy Spirit. Um, by which I mean we, don't, we haven't often in the past got people to come forward to receive prayer. Um, but actually, having said that, apparently over the last few weeks and I've been out of the room, Jamie's been doing that, so we were like one mind or something. Um, but I'd like us to continue giving this a go over the coming weeks and months, having a moment where we invite those who want to respond to come forward to receive prayer. Um, and I want to be clear on this. We're doing that not because we want to make a show of things or because we want to expose people or, again, because we believe that we have to do things a certain way in order for the Holy Spirit to meet with us. I've just said the opposite. But I think we might need to make, begin to make a move towards a physical response like that, a deliberate moving out of our chairs as a way of learning to open ourselves up to receive Again, in my experience, there is something about having to make that move that encourages you to make a choice in that moment. Am I going to open myself up or am I going to allow this moment to pass me by? And by moving out of your seat, you are literally voting with your feet. You're voting with your feet. And again, in sort of my experience, by the time I've done the hard bit of saying, yes, I want to respond, got myself up out of my chair, walked to the front to receive prayer, Normally, by the time I've done that, I've also spiritually opened myself to that, so that I'm ready to receive. Final thing, in this church, we don't have an official ministry team. So we don't have people whose job it is to pray for each other, who are designated prayers. And that can be a great thing to have, and we're not saying we'll never have that. Um, but the reason that we don't for the time being is that sort of core to our values as a vineyard church is this idea that when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, everybody gets to play then it's not just reserved for a holy few. This is something that the whole church is invited into. Um, the only caveat to this is because we want this to be a safe and sort of accountable space for people, we'd ask as a general rule that you belong to a hub, one of our midweek communities. Some people won't be able to do that, and if that's you, chat to us, because there will be exceptions. But as a general rule, we'd ask that you belong to a hub so there's a layer of sort of safety for who's, who's praying on a Sunday. But you don't need to be an expert or have a qualification in prayer. Goodness me, I don't. And often the best prayers are the ones that don't say that much and just offer a sort of timely word here and there. So... That's the sort of plan. And for the coming months, we, we'd love to try and have a time together every time we meet, whether it's a Sunday or perhaps in your hubs, um, to create space for the Holy Spirit to come and wait. Um, so should we give it a go? Should we do it now? Great. Why don't we stand together if you're able to do that? We're going to create some space. And I just, again, in this time, I just want to invite you to be comfortable, be as you are. We, we sometimes say this thing about, like, you might want to close your eyes in this moment. And the only reason we say that is because it's about not being distracted by what's going on with other people. If you're constantly looking at other people, um, you can get easily distracted and be thinking, oh, what's that person doing? What's that person thinking of me? Trust me, no one is thinking about you in this moment. They are all thinking about themselves. So you might find that helpful. And the other thing we sometimes say is about putting your hands out in front of you um, as if you're receiving a gift. And again, 
that is just a symbol of what we've just talked about, saying about this is a moment now for me to receive from God. Not to give something to God, but for me to receive from him. Again, you have to do that if you don't want to, but it can be helpful sometimes. And I'm, I'm going to just pray this prayer, and then we're going to wait in stillness for a bit. And again, I want to invite you in this moment not to pray, not to start a conversation with God in your head, but to just try and still yourself and open yourself to receive from what he has for you. So come, Holy Spirit.